Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Agents reported dozens of migrants with injuries, including those broken limbs you referenced, and drownings, including several children under the age of one. Should those buoys be removed now? I don't think the buoys are the problem. Honestly, Margaret, this has been happening every single week we see people drown. Last year, there were hundreds of migrants that are drowning. Uh, the, the reality is the buoy is only a very small little portion of the river. So we're going to hit a whole bunch of stories here, things that you may not have heard we haven't touched on, but just a little bit. If you haven't seen the videos, they've got this new string of buoys through the river there separating the United States and Mexico. It's basically they built a wall. And a much cheaper version in the water that you can't get past by swimming. And, of course, it's become controversial because walls are wrong. Okay, fine. That reminds me, I saw the other day, uh, Washington Times was reporting that the United States military has over 20,000 of those giant metal panels to construct the wall just laying around. And we're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just to store them because the Biden administration said, build bridges, not walls. And stop the wall building. Lovely. So anyway, that is happening down in Texas. The Biden administration is saying they've got to move them. It's the federal government's business to deal with the border, not yours. Governor Abbott of Texas is saying, bring on the lawsuit, Mr. President. And uh, I kind of thought he was going to run for president. But anyway, we'll see where that goes. Another story. We mentioned this last week, but it's official now. The Biden administration has blocked Wuhan lab the Wuhan lab from further funding. How this isn't a big story, I do not know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's an admission of 
that was a problem with the whole pandemic thing. But there you go. Yeah, the New York Times covered it, but they didn't leave in the fact that, by the way, we spent like a year and a half saying anybody who said that the Wuhan lab might have leaked was a dangerous lunatic and, and probably ought to be jailed. Eh, we feel bad about that now. They forgot. Eh, it's a bit, they're busy. So they have what some call the biggest crisis in Israel internally that they've ever had mm-hmm. in the nation's history. They've had some pretty big external crises, like a whole bunch of wars where... Many, many countries tried to destroy them. But internally, they've never had anything like this, uh, where you've got pilots not showing up for duty. That's never happened before. Right. Yeah. Military pilots, their uh, reserve forces, active duty, all saying, no, we're not showing up for work if you're going to do this. Doctors not showing up to hospitals protesting various moves in the government. And so I have taken in a couple of different podcasts with people that like Israel is really their beat. And they say that the representation of what's going on at the protests is very, well, it's drive-by media like Rush Limbaugh used to talk about it. What's actually happening is they're having their reckoning that they were able to put off since 1949 or whenever Israel became a country. Um the the reckoning is happening now of are we a Jewish state or not is coming to the head. Yeah, yeah. The more religious, the religionist, nationalist forces are now in an open fight against the more secular uh, kind of modernist, or so they'd have you believe forces. And it's 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 really interesting. I've tried to figure out what's going on, and. There are a lot of subtleties. There are a lot of different ways of looking at the arguments, and there are a lot of politics going on. But Netanyahu has formed the right-wingiest Israeli government, really, for many, many moons. And they think the courts have way too much power to overturn their laws. And so they're trying to rewrite what powers the courts have. It's a major, major move in how the society functions. Whether it's right or wrong is in the eye of the beholder, obviously. But they're not fighting over trivia. It's it's a big question. Right. And uh, so that's that. I mentioned this earlier, never got to it. Is Vivek Raswami a fajita or a taco? Ramaswamy. I left out a syllable. Uh, he's a, a fajita or a taco? Right. So That is perhaps the most ridiculous and absurd question I've ever heard. Uh, the answer, please. So uh, Jonathan Chait wrote this. So why the shoulder shrugging about Ramaswamy's rise? It's pretty simple. His rivals don't think his la- he'll last. By the way, I watched his interview on Fox News Sunday. He's good. He, oh, yeah. He, is, he has, I hate to say it, but he has it in a way that poor DeSantis just does not. He, he can't, if DeSantis could, like, encapsulate his thoughts or feelings or mood or whatever the way Vivek can, he would be, well, he wouldn't be 40 points behind Trump. Yeah, I heard. I read somebody trying to take a shot at Ramaswamy, and their shot essentially was, you know, he wasn't the great scientist he claims to be. He was he was the sales guy for all of these endeavors that made him rich. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying he's such an incredibly successful salesman, he became a billionaire or whatever he is, right. and that's like to to say, therefore, he won't succeed as a politician? You haven't watched much politics. Oh, by the way, another tangent before we get to the tacos and fajitas. So some have made a big deal out of, in a critical way, the fact that two Republican candidates, Ramaswamy is, um, 
he's set up kind of like a, a selling Tupperware pyramid sort of thing for fundraising, where like if oh, you, right, you get ten yeah. percent of the haul, or I think that's the amount. Like if if I sign up five people to fundraise for Vivek's campaign, I get ten percent of the money, and then you got the North. Uh, North Korea, North Dakota governor, the billionaire, he's actually paying people. Like if you, if you donate ten dollars, he'll give you a twenty dollars gift card. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he can get enough donors to be on the debate stage. Yeah. But this has been hailed as horrible by some people, leaving out the fact that all your all your bundlers, like a third of Joe Biden's ambassadors, are big bundlers from the last mm-hmm. election. That's somehow better than the two examples I just gave. Right. Being a professional fundraiser, essentially. What the hell? Um, doesn't bother me. Anyway. I think I'd like to be an ambassador, but that diplomat show with uh, Carrie Russell, I don't know, it looks kind of stressful. Jonathan Chait wrote, Vivek is like the fajitas that go by you at the restaurant. <laughs> One advisor on the rival campaign told a reporter, the fajitas make noise, look exciting, and come on a fun plate. But if you order it, it's too much, too annoying to assemble, and you wish you'd just ordered the tacos. <laughs> I, I appreciate a good metaphor, perhaps even more than the average person, but I freaking love fajitas. I don't care so, about the politics of this. I just was wondering about the fajito taco. Does anybody yeah. anybody look at fajitas, think that looks fun and exciting, and then get them and think that's too much work? I wish I'd gotten a taco. Does that happen? I suppose it might. I mean, there's a little labor involved, but that's that's it. You've got these sizzling, fresh ingredients. You combine them into what is, to me, a super taco, a taco of surpassing deliciousness. So it's like the best taco ever assembled on Earth. So it takes you 30 seconds to... What, what, how lazy is this person? How busy are they? Do they have 15 kids and three jobs? Okay, then. That's a terrible metaphor. You wish you'd just ordered the taco. You don't deserve fajitas. I'm not sure I've ever had a fajita. Oh, sorry to hear that. Mm. Boy, I love fajitas. Mm. And then Did love- you hear that uh, the homicide rate had, had dropped in uh, uh, 30 uh, major U.S. cities? Um... Is it just uh, like one month or something like that, or does this look like an actual trend? Uh, the, for the year, um, from 2020 to 2021? I've killed nobody this year. Me neither. That's a funny coincidence. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, the homicide rate last year dropped by more than 9%. Survey of uh, 30 major U.S. cities. Still, homicides across those cities are 24% higher than the same period of 2019. Okay. So, as one professor of criminology and criminal justice at the University of Missouri, St. Louis said, uh, well, he's not one professor. He was the lead author of the report. The report, quote, I would call the result heartening, not cause for celebration. Most cities have not returned to the homicide levels that were prevailing just prior to the height of the pandemic, so we have a ways to go. We have any idea why, though? No, everybody's guessing. We don't really know why it went up, so we certainly nope. wouldn't know why it went down. 
Well, as uh, my friend here has said, uh, just as criminologists struggle to reach a consensus to explain sudden increases in crime like we saw in 2020, concrete explanations for declines in crime are similarly elusive. So that's what you said, just with fancier words. (laughs) Virtually everybody agrees that uh, the disruptions, the pandemic um fed into it somehow but uh, you know the uh, how exactly uh, you know the answer to that depends entirely on who you ask i wonder this have the cops reasserted themselves at all compared to the utter pullback post george floyd I know there are cop shops all over the country that are brutally understaffed. I mean, L.A., for example, is down a thousand officers since 2019. A thousand. And yet homicides are down by more than 20% this year. Overall, gun violence has fallen at the same clip. There you go. Defund the police. Go figure. Downtown will look like the suburbs. Thanks, AOC. Uh, This is one of those just horrible stories that's indicative of nothing, but came across this bodybuilder. Who died? Lift. Uh, he's trying to squat four hundred pounds, and um, oh my! Is this going to freak me out? He just kind of stumbled a little bit. He had the bar up. He lifted the bar oh, up, and he kind of no. stumbled a little bit, and it just snapped his neck. Oh, gee, many! I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. It's not going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> that that is an untimely death I can avoid and will avoid. Uh, And then, do you remember this story from last week? This smash hit song. Try that in a small town from Jason Aldean, which was portrayed as pro-lynching by, well, country music television pulled it off the air because of its inciting violence or something. Anyway, uh, I listened to it a fair amount over the weekend. Actually heard it on the country station. I saw somebody tweeting out some examples of some... uh, other lyrics. Here's an MTV award-winning rapper, Tyler, the creator. I can't actually read the lyric, I suppose. Uh, the whole thing. But, victim, victim, honey, you're my fifth one. Honey, on that topping when I stuff you in my system, rake, rape a pregnant bee and tell my friends I had a threesome. You got a blanking death wish. I'm a genie. I'll get it done. That's, Holy cow, that's disturbing. That is very disturbing. You can uh, you can win awards with music like that, though, for some reason. Jason Aldean makes a reference to good old boys, and people say, yeah, I've heard that term used for racists, so that's a racist song. Boy, the right has to be careful compared to the left. Yeah, it makes us good at it. So probably ought to mention the dust-up about what they're teaching in Florida schools about slavery, just in case you hear the story so you know what's actually going on. We should touch on that. Yeah, yeah. Plus, a California college professor is suing his university for trampling on his rights and forcing him to spout their politically correct nonsense, and I'll bet he's going to win. Awesome. Stay tuned for all that. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Last month was the hottest month in the 6,500 years, I'm being told. I don't know how you know that. Mammoth with a really long memory. Came forward. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Thought this was interesting. Uh, this fellow, Damon Johnson, has been uh, teaching at Bakersfield College since 1993. And I think it's worth noting that this sort of stuff is going on in Kern County. If you know anything about Kern County politically, it ain't Berkeley. Anyway, uh, he's been teaching there for 30 years. And three months ago, California Community Community Colleges, which is the umbrella organization, which serves almost 2 million students at 116 campuses in Cal Unicornia, amended the regulations so employees must espouse its tenets of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. So now there's an A, apparently. Fact, this is a quote now from the instructions. Faculty members shall employ teaching, learning, and professional practices that reflect DEIA and anti-racist principles. Schools must place a significant emphasis on DEIA to competencies in employee evaluation and tenure review. So you can't be a good professor unless you spout this progressive stuff. 
And they go into um, the long list of, uh, here's how you'll be rated as a professor. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's all about the, well, it's horrifying, just the overall statement, but it's all how the rubber meets the road. What are the details? Uh, you will be graded, judged, employed based on your prom- whether you promote and incorporate DEI and racist, anti-racist pedagogy. Well, that's uh, pedagogy. That's uh, a Freudian slip there, me calling it racist. Develops and implements plans and or curriculum that promote a race-conscious and intersectional lens. I'm a so math you teacher. must be race-conscious. <laughs> I'm teaching Shakespeare. Uh, let's see. Contributes to DEI and anti-racism research and scholarship. Articulates the importance and impact of DEI and anti-racism as part of the institution's greater mission. Advocates for and advances DEI and anti-racist goals and initiatives. I'm like halfway through the list. I'm a biology teacher. What am I supposed to do? Mr. Johnson opposes it all and is suing with the help of the Institute for Free Speech. Uh, quote, Professor Johnson cannot satisfy DEIA standards based on the state chancellor's competencies without violating his conscience and surrendering his academic freedom. Almost everything Professor Johnson teaches violates the new requirements, not just by failing to advance DEIA and anti-racist ideologies, but also by criticizing them. He doesn't want to change his classical approach that stresses the study of truth, goodness, and beauty. He doesn't want to engage in DEIA self-reflection, which he reviews as religious-like and little more than neo-Marxist re-education on race. And so he is suing, and I can't imagine how he loses. He's got a good, solid organization behind him. This sort of thing you're going to hear more and more, every level of education, I hope. Speaking of education, why won't they teach about slavery in Florida? It's that evil Ron DeSantis. First it was the don't say gay law, now it's this. So if you didn't follow that dust up over the weekend, uh, Kamala Harris distorted something in the curriculum in Florida schools, and you should hear about this just because you're going to hear the mainstream version and not have all the details. And then Ron DeSantis didn't help himself by clumsily responding. I'll tell you. Oh that. boy. Yeah. Oh boy. The bloom is off that rose. Yeah. Well, he's a way behind too. Um, so we'll bring you that story on the way. If you missed an hour, you can grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Gonna have a big final half hour. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. Oh, they insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. So that's Kamala Harris a couple of times over the last several days, referencing the curriculum in schools in Florida and with the help of mainstream media, continuing to claim that they do not teach slavery. In fact, it's even worse than that. They do not teach that slavery existed. They say that it was good for people. (laughs) Oddly enough, I took that from what she said. I understood what she was trying to communicate. Yeah. She's really bringing it there, too. You know, and there's some some burblings out there that they're trying to rehab her with the idea that Biden's going to have to step down at some point, either for age or the explosive new Biden crime family stuff that we're about to talk about next segment. But mm. if he has stepped down, she's president. You realize that's the way it works, right? What? No. It is time for us to <laughs> do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Oh, boy. That'll be in her inaugural address. Um, So this is from the other day. NBC reports that Kamala Harris intends to visit Florida today to criticize its new school curriculum. And remarks... This is so clearly Gavin Newsom-esque grandstanding. In remarks Thursday, Harris blasted efforts in some states to ban books and push forward revisionist history. Uh, And then she said what you just heard. And then Charles... I love how the left completely revises history... Then when you say, no, we ought to do the old history, they say, that's revisionist history. (laughs) Hilarious. Um, But so then Charles C.W. Cook wrote about this in the National Review. This is a brazen lie. It's an astonishing lie. It's an evil lie. It's so untrue, so deliberately and cynically misleading that in a sensible political culture, Harris would be obligated to issue an apology. Instead, NBC confirms that she will repeat the lie today during a speech in Jacksonville. And so she gave the speech several times. And uh, Charlie Cook then went through, having read the entire actual Florida curriculum, 
said, it's difficult to convey the astonishing to extent to which Kamala Harris is lying about it. To illustrate it, I've copied and pasted all 191 of its references to slavery, the slave trade, abolition, and civil rights, including all the <laughs> nitty-gritty, horrifying stuff about infant mortality and beatings and torture and rape and all the horrifying things. And then at one point, in one sentence, they say some slaves learned trades that they were able later able to use when slavery ended. That's and at it. no point did anybody come within a million miles of saying, therefore, slavery was good, because nobody would ever say that. So it's really awful that politicians would uh, grab that one sentence and try to pretend that the governor of Florida is a white supremacist or something like it. It's also really awful that the mainstream media would not spend enough time to look into the story to uh, to give both sides of it. It didn't help that Ron DeSantis kind of clumsily addressed it at a gathering over the weekend. I didn't do it and I wasn't involved in it. Um, but I think um, I think what they're doing is I think that they're probably going to show um, some of the folks that eventually parlayed. Uh, you know, being a blacksmith into into doing things later later in life. Um, every version of the story in mainstream news that I saw over the weekend included him saying that with a that's just disgraceful sort of tone. Um, he had to know that that was not not going to work out well. Either got to stay away from the story completely or or put it in its full context. <sighs> I'm. Uh, uh, that was a tight edit. That obviously edited the next word real tight. W- what else did he go on to say? I, I. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I just. I find it. Uh, that would be an incredibly boneheaded political misstep not to put it in its greater context, as you say. I mean, just to say, look, people may have gained skills that later they benefited from, but that's in no way an argument in favor of slavery, which is inhumane, horrific, and can never be permitted. I mean, how do you not say that? But maybe he did. I don't know. No, he if did the, not. Okay, he didn't follow no. up with any sort of no. perspective. No. I was going to say any media that would completely ignore the Biden bribery story is more than capable of misleading us on this one. Right, and I just wanted to make sure you heard that so you know what's going on there if you hear about DeSantis in Florida and slavery and all that sort of stuff. I want to take a break because this New York Post story today and the testimony that's going to come in front of Congress this week If it doesn't blast through to mainstream media, I don't even know what to think about the state of things now. I mean, I'm like, I'm about to lose my mind over this stuff. I just you just have to accept it. There is no honesty left. No. Yes. You, You can't accept that that's the state of things. I have. That something as big as this. Well, I was—I couldn't believe that the IRS whistleblower testimony last week wasn't a New York Times story. I mean, that's just astounding. We were forbidden for saying from saying the Wuhan lab might have leaked by the greatest journalistic institutions in our country. That's how screwed up they are. Not just according to the New York Post, according to Hunter Biden's best friend who has turned on him to save his own skin. He's going to say it in Congress this week. Joe Biden was on at least two dozen phone calls with Hunter and business partners, in person or on phone calls. We'll have those details coming up next. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, the scandal of uh, the influence peddling scheme that Joe Biden has conducted during his vice presidency through his family that netted millions of dollars from China and Ukraine and Russia and so on, that's a big scandal. But I think even bigger, bigger than Watergate, is the cover-up. That's Miranda Devine of the New York Post, who has written a whole bunch of stories over the last several years that have turned out to be true. Um, with another blockbuster today, although I would like to point out, as I went to the New York Post, the lead story seems to be Tom Brady's new girlfriend, and I'm happy to see he seems to have bounced back just fine. She's a very attractive young woman. <laughs> Not a nice uh, middle, uh, middle-aged middle gal with a handful of kids like him? How, how surprising. Yeah, you'd have thought he'd have, he'd have met his mirror image like a 50-year-old woman with three kids, but uh, no, it seems to be uh, anyway. Um, with a young underwear model. You know, before we get to the big story of today, a couple of stories that happened over the weekend that only the New York Post and Fox are covering. I mean, last week there were a couple of very believable IRS whistleblowers testify in Congress that they were getting stonewalled in trying to prosecute Hunter Biden for tax evasion and not allowed to pull on the threads that they normally get to pull on. And it didn't even make the news for most of your mainstream outlets. It was just amazing. Well, this week's going to be even bigger. Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's former best friend, I'm assuming, um, is going to testify in Congress. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. This came out over the weekend, too. The FBI told Twitter that the Hunter Biden laptop was real on the day of the New York Post scoop. Mm-hmm. A senior official official said, so that was known from the very first day. Oh, my God. Then the other story that they had over the weekend was this $10 million particular bribe between that, that Hunter got and the head of Burisma said that Hunter is dumber than my dog, but I have to pay him to be able to have access to the other one, he says. Well, now, uh, you can't really just toss that aside until you know, is the guy's dog a border collie or is it a pug? That's a good question. I mean, how dumb is he? Um, So the uh, guy who runs Burisma factors into this story out today, the exclusive from Miranda Devine, who you just heard from there. Hunter Biden put then-VP dad, he was vice, vice president at the time, Joe Biden on the phone with business associates at least two dozen times. Devin Archer is going to testify this week. If I've you... never talked to my son about his business. Not once. Let's go ahead and play that. Why the heck not? Montage 74 on uh, all the times Joe Biden's been asked about this. How many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Did Hunter Biden commit a crime? Have you spoken to your son, Mr. President-elect? Proud of my son. Are you confident you said nothing wrong? I'm confident. Do you still think that the stories from the fall about your son Hunter were rushing disengagement at his beer campaign, like you said? Yes, yes, yes. God love you, man. You, you're a one-horse pony. Is the mainstream... And a lion dog-faced pony soldier besides. Is the mainstream media going to jump in and ask those questions so it's not only uh, young Ducey from Fox who asks about it? After the testimony this week, the House Oversight Committee, same committee as last week, 
This Devin Archer guy, 48 years old, Hunter Biden's former best friend, who's facing a lot of jail time himself, it looks like has finally decided I got to save my own skin for the sake of me and my family and is going to say whatever, whatever, just just tell the whole story. Um, and and, he, and uh, this article today is about what he's expected to testify. He's going to testify about a meeting in Dubai in December 2015. And after which, uh, uh, after a board meeting of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, which we've all heard about now, who was paying at the time Hunter was getting $83,000 a month as a director of Burisma Energy. 83 grand a month. Archer Can was... you imagine, friends? Can you imagine getting paid that to do whatever he was supposed to do? Well, he's supposed to get his dad on the phone. And we're right. Archer. And probably worth it. Uh, Archer was also a director and is expected to testify that after dinner with the Burisma board at this fancy hotel, and he and Hunter went to a different hotel, the Four Seasons Hotel, to have a drink with one of Hunter's friends. While they were sitting outside the bar, um, a senior Burisma executive phoned to ask where they were because the owner of Burisma needed to speak to Hunter urgently. Urgently. That owner is the guy... Who said Hunter's dumber than my dog? <laughs> wow. Nonetheless, he said, come, come to the phone. Right. Soon afterward, the two Ukrainians joined Hunter and Archer at the Four Seasons Bar. And uh, the the first Burisma executive asked Hunter, can you ring your dad? So it was early afternoon in Washington, D.C. on a Friday. Time zone wise. Hunter then called his dad, put him on the speaker, placed the phone on the table, and introduced the Ukrainians to Joe Biden by name as Nikolai and Vadim. He also said the words of the effect that the Burisma bigwigs need our support. What does that mean? That sure sounds like discussing business dealings with your and dad. Asking for something while he's vice president of the United States. Vice President Biden greeted the Ukrainians, but spoke only in vague pleasantries during the short call. In another such interaction with Hunter's overseas business partners, Archer is expected to testify. Then they get into the context, which I will not redo like I did earlier in the show completely, but the timing is really... um, Well, it leads you to believe that that whole deal around Joe Biden flying to Ukraine and firing the prosecutor, which he claims was because the prosecutor was corrupt also and not digging deeply enough into corruption in Ukraine. The head of Burisma asked Hunter, and they have emails to show this, they claim, uh, asked Hunter to call off the dogs. You know, the prosecutors are coming after Burisma and, like, causing us a lot of troubles. Call off the dogs. His dad flies to Ukraine shortly thereafter and fires the guy and brags about it. We've all heard that tape because it showed up in the first Trump impeachment. Now, they're probably not going to be able to nail that down, a quid pro quo. I mean, I'm sure there's nothing in writing. You do this, I'll do that, or anything like that. And the nearly or more than two dozen times that Hunter got his dad on the phone, I'm sure his dad always talked. In vague generalities and pleasantries. So is that going to be enough to keep him out of trouble? Um, If is he still going to be able to say I never discussed business with my son? 
Well, getting back to the question of whether you can prove a quid pro quo, at some point, circumstantial cases get so inescapably, you know, rock solid that uh, you will convict based on circumstantial evidence. Um, And I think with uh, Archer testifying under oath, um, it's going to be far too compelling to just go away. I mean, because he's a friend and ally and and co-profiteer. Now, here's when you'll know they're really frightened. When they start saying that Archer's just trying to save his own skin and he's making stuff up. Because that's what they always say when somebody turns state's evidence. And sometimes it's true. In this case, I would argue it is not. (laughs) Because the circumstantial case is already pretty powerful against Biden and the influence peddling and the rest of it. So if I was going to be uh, charitable toward Joe Biden, I'm guessing that he has, I mean, he's a glad hander and has been for 50 dang years. How many people, how many times have introduced, how many gazillions of people has he been introduced to on the phone or in person? And he didn't have any idea what it was. It's just, you know, Mm. Hey, hey, I'd like you to meet somebody important. Again, uh, that's not a crazy thing to ask, but my answer to it is Hunter had a years-long business doing what he was doing, selling influence, selling access. And if nobody ever got anything for it, it wouldn't have continued on like that. The millions wouldn't have continued to pour in. And the whole Joe Biden fire and the prosecutor thing, I mean, the New York Times has been spinning that for years, but... That one is, if it's not a smoking gun, it's a red-hot gun in the hand of the alleged perpetrator. Well, the testimony is this week in front of Congress, and if it doesn't make go mainstream news, I don't even know what to think at that point. Hey, folks, it's, uh, it's time for, for uh, final thoughts with uh, Jack Armstrong, Joe Getty. Hopefully, after me, we can uh, go out and uh, slap five and uh, get some ice cream. Just, just have a good old time. Here's your host for final thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. Let's uh, begin with our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? All that's going through my head, Jack, is people want to be entertained, not informed. They want to see Tom Brady's girlfriend, and they don't want to see any of this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, well, God help the uh, union. Our esteemed newswoman, Katie Green. Katie, a final thought. I don't know if it's because it's Monday or I'm just punchy, but I have zero desire to see this Barbie movie. And it, it, the amount of attention it's getting is already irritating me. <laughs> That's why we get along so well, Katie. I absolutely hear what you're saying. I just, I, uh, Jack, final thought for us? I don't know if, like, Joe Biden is huddled in meetings with lawyers and advisors discussing how to handle this stuff, or is, like, dimly aware it's a happening and paying no attention to it. Um, if we go through this week and it doesn't break through to mainstream coverage, I don't know how I'm going to handle life going forward. I mean, I think it's like it's going to be a major moment in my life and trying to determine how to even take in the world. My final, my final thought has to do with a uh, an editorial we read earlier in which a man uh, claimed that Vivek Ramaswamy was more uh, that he, that he was like fajitas. Sizzling, dramatic, on a cool plate, but just too much work. And you wish you'd ordered the tacos. I will say again, any man, any woman who thinks fajitas are too much work doesn't deserve fajitas. (laughs) You have a view of life that I do not share, friend. 
curl up in your fetal position and let your days on this earth go by and then die and go from us quietly. We, the fajita eaters, are seizing the sizzling joy of existence and wolfing it down. That is the most impassioned view of fajitas I've ever heard. Armstrong and Getty are wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for the hot links, for the A&G swag, for the podcasts. They're all there. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. I think that you may be over-egging the pudding a bit. No, 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 no. No! That's noise. I didn't do it, and I wasn't involved in it. The ass of the guy. No, no, that's not what I was told. Oh, dude, I was passed out when that happened. So everybody chill. Shut up! On that high note, thank you all very much. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.